So today we're going to talk about anxiety. Um, and I don't know if you struggle with anxieties. You probably do if you're a human being. Um, the truth is, is I think it's something that every single one of us struggles with. Uh, I think about a little kid who mom is telling, telling this little guy to go to bed, and the, the kid is sitting there going, He's like just temper tantrum, freaking out, and then you hear the words, I'm not tired, and you're like, really? And I think that's a little bit about us, like when we try to say, I don't, I'm not an anxious person. We all have it. Um, there, was a, it there was a kid in my youth group a long time ago. We were having an all-nighter type of thing, and me and a bunch of, of like junior high boys were staying up late playing video games. It's about 2 a.m., and the kid, this kid, he's like seventh grade, tiny little guy, and he goes, hey, you guys... Are you guys tired? And me and all the guys looking at him like, no. Yeah, me neither. I was just wondering. And we just started laughing because, like, obviously, kid was dead tired. And, and I think that's about how foolish it, it sometimes is when we try to say, like, no, I don't struggle with anxiety because it's there. We, we kind of all tend to have it a little bit. Um, I, r- lately, as my kids have been getting older, I've been noticing at times little things with my, my daughters where they'll get anxious about something. I've, t- I've talked to my wife. I'm like, I, I, just, I don't understand it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't remember struggling with anxieties like that. And what's going on? What, what, what's our world coming to? The kids are getting anxious. And then I started thinking, I'm like, I was that kid. We'd go to bed at 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And I think I've said this before. I'd, I would stay awake. I'd be awake at 10, 20, go out, watch the sports news on the local, awful, awful local news sports program. And then I would go back to bed, and by like 11 o'clock or 11.30, I'd fall asleep. And this is kindergarten. And I like to think that it was just because I, I love sports so much that I had to go watch sports news. But it was 100% because I was terrified of the hall light going out when my, when my mom and dad went to bed. I was terrified. I was terrified that we were going to have a fire and that we didn't have a plan where we were going to meet out there and, and we were all going to die. Okay? These, I had anxieties. They were just there. And I... Uh, First grade, I remember my teacher, she, we're, we're, we're going to go to Green Bay for a circus. It's like two hours away, further than I've ever been away from my mother. And we're going to a circus. Okay? If you've watched The Greatest Showman, circuses aren't that. The Greatest Showman's awesome. There's dancing, there's singing, it's all cute. At a real circus, there's real elephants that can stomp you, there's real lions that can eat you, and there's 50 clowns coming out of one stupid car that'll give you a nightmare for the rest of your life. If you like a circus, there's something wrong with you. You should be anxious when you go to one. And my teacher said, hey, if you come, you can sit with me in the front, in the seat or whatever, the, on the way there and the way back. So that's how much of a dork I am. That made me feel good to be the teacher's pet and sit with my, my teacher the whole way. I had anxieties. We all have anxieties. It's just the way it goes, and we have to deal with it. But it's also not the end of the world. Uh, one of Job's friends, Eliphaz, he said to Job in Job 5-7, human beings are born to trouble. That's an obvious fact. We all have trouble in our lives. We all have things um, that make us anxious, but it also is not something that makes us all of a sudden not a good follower of Jesus because sometimes we struggle with troubles and we have bouts with anxiety. But does anxiety have to be a given thing for us? Is there a better way for people who trust Jesus to be able to live? Does Jesus have something better for us than just being in this constant state of panic every time that something goes, goes awry in our lives? So now I want to be straight up with you about wh- how I feel this morning. Like, I'm, 
I woke up, I'm just, I'm just super happy. But I will say, it makes me a little bit anxious to talk about anxiety. And why is that? It's because it's such a real thing in people's lives. You're a, you're a follower of Jesus, and you're trying your hardest to follow Jesus, and you still struggle with anxiety. It's a real thing. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and you're, you're still, it's something that you struggle with, anxiety, and you've, you've lost your faith in people that they can help you out. How in the world are you supposed to believe that a God that you can't see can actually help you out with this thing called anxiety? And so the last thing that I want to do as we're talking about this, this real subject is to just give you a flimsy, uncompassionate, pat answer. Something like, hey, just trust Jesus more. Because the truth is, is that, man, we can trust Jesus like crazy, and that just doesn't always seem to work. Uh, so here's what makes preaching on this difficult. There is not an easy cure-all answer for anxiety. It's just the way it is. Like a lot of things in life, anxiety is a process that we have to go through. That God has to bring us through a process, just like in most everything else. But so many of us are too willing to give up on that process before we've let God give us victory. So I wish I could say, just trust Jesus more. But just trusting Jesus more, what that is, is that's, that's you depending on yourself to do something to make yourself better. And that's, that's a big part of the problem is we just aren't capable of helping ourselves all the time. You and I can't just do one thing and all of a sudden our anxieties in life go away. We need help. Where is this help going to come from? Again, victory is a process. Uh, I'm a kid that grew up, like I said, not able to sleep at night. There were times where I was up at 1 o'clock, or I remember one time I stayed up until 3 a.m. because I was just worrying about stuff. I didn't have to go to school that day, so I tried it the next day. It didn't work. But it, it just... Anxiety just had me. And then I, I get married, and all I'm thinking about for the first, like, three years that we were married was our finances. Every time we went to the store, every time we went to the, to, out to eat, I couldn't enjoy a meal for, like, five, six years when we got married because I was worried about the money. But somewhere along the way, I think that I seem, I seem to have found a way to usually be able to put these, these anxieties into a box. And the way that I would, I would say it is I put, it, put them into this box and I put them at the, the doorstep of Jesus. And for the most part, a lot of times those anxieties stay there. But every, every now and then I like to go back to the doorstep and I like to rummage through those boxes. And so I take out that anxiety of, of worrying about money. And so I, I'm like, yeah, I just want to worry about my money for a little bit here, God. And then, it, then I may I put it back and I'll take out that anxiety about worrying about my, the, the well-being of my kids or or my wife as she's driving home from work. I'm going to take that out. I'm going to worry about this for a little bit. Or, man, I know I said something really stupid to somebody, and they probably think I'm an awful person. Half of you are like, yep, I've been there. Um, and I take that out, and I worry about it for a little bit. And so I take these things out, and, and, and sometimes that becomes my prayer time, and I'm, God, help me with this, this thing that I'm... And, and half the time, it's not even me saying, God, help me. It's like, hey, God, here's what I think needs to happen with my finances. I'm telling God what's got to happen. And finally, you get to the point where it's like, this just... This isn't going to work. I've got to, I can't go through this day again without putting this back in this box and leaving it at the doorstep of Jesus because I can't carry it. I think God needs to take us through a process. Again, victory over anxiety is a process. If you're struggling with anxiety, I'm going to tell you something. I am probably not going to say anything today where you're going to all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and be like, whoa, anxiety's gone. This is probably not going to happen exactly like that. 
Now, could, could Jesus supernaturally take out all those anxieties out of our life? Yes, I think he definitely can. But I'd also, I want to ask, what would we learn through that? Really think about it. How would we actually have learned to trust God more if he just zapped us clean of every single crazy thing that is going on up inside our heads? See, I don't think anxieties in life are actually something that we're supposed to despise. I think there's something that we're supposed to acknowledge is there and let God work it through us to a greater faith. So today, I want to to take us through a story of a guy named Jehoshaphat from the Old Testament. I love looking at Old Testament stories. And I think that the story of Jehoshaphat really helps us see what that process of going through anxiety looks like. And so the, the story of Jehoshaphat, it starts back in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. He is the son of a guy named Asa. Uh, Asa is the king of Judah. He, he's, a, he's in the line of David. And unlike David, David served God faithfully with all of his heart. King Asa, he did not do that. He went after other gods. And, and the Bible says that he, he became diseased with this disease in his feet. And it, it was deadly. I don't I don't really know what diseases are deadly in your feet. I don't know, maybe gangrene or something. I, I don't know what it would have been. The Bible says that he chose to not, not go after God, not follow after God as this disease came on him. He looked to other, to other gods, and he only went to physicians. And what happens is after 41 years of, of reign in Judah, he dies. And so his son, King Jeho- Jehoshaphat, becomes the new king. And Jehoshaphat decides to do things differently than his dad did. He actually follows after God, after the Lord, the way that his, his ancestor David did. He didn't go and consult after, after these other foreign gods, and, and he devoted his heart to the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord began to establish his kingdom. And you see, after 41 years of, of Judah following after uh, this king named Asa, who didn't follow the Lord, the people themselves, they, they really had fallen away from God. They didn't know what the word of the Lord said. I mean, they didn't have Bibles like we have now. And so King Jehoshaphat sends out officials into into the land of Judah. And what happens is all these people start hearing the word of God for the first time, most of them, and they start to follow after God themselves. And so this kingdom continues to be established by the Lord. And now these these foreign nations around Judah, they're they're looking at Jehoshaphat and the land of Judah, and they're thinking, these guys got something going on. We don't want to mess with them. And so as they kind of back away, Judah is able to just thrive. And so there's nothing, there's nothing really worrying Jehoshaphat. Everything's going good. And there comes a day where he, he's got a bunch of leaders um, in the land of Judah, and he, he appoints them to become judges. And as he's appointing them to become judges, he tells them, now you need to go out and you need to serve wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. Serve God. And then he tells them one more thing. In, in chapter 19, verse 11, he says, act with courage. But little does he know that what he actually says there to these other leaders, he needs to follow that example really shortly. Because what happens is an official comes to him. One day he's just minding his own business. An official comes to him and says, Hey, Jehoshaphat, there is an army. The Ammonites and the Moabites, they're coming after us. Finally, finally a group of people decided that they wanted to test if they could actually go after Judah. And so this official's like, man, the Ammonites, the Moabites, they've got a huge army. They're coming, and they're close. They're not far, they're not far away. And so we read this in, in chapter 20, verse 3. 
says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. I absolutely love how the NIV describes this moment of anxiety. Alarmed. Like that, like he's just alarmed. All of a sudden he realizes his army's coming. This reminds me of that moment that a lot of us have felt, that first initial moment of anxiety. You look up in your rearview mirror and you see flashing lights. And you're like, ugh. I guess I just got to pull over and see if I don't get a ticket. Or that other little demon inside of your head is like, maybe you can outrun the cops this time. You know? That's an easy way to get out of a ticket. I've never done that. Or, or that moment where you see your kid fall and you're like, oh, I got to say, something happened, like a miracle happened about a week ago. Some of you have seen it probably on Facebook. My two oldest daughters, they were, they were taking a video and something magical happened in the background. So I want you guys to see this video here quick. Name four foods that are in your fridge right now. No peeking. Um, foods. Apple, orange. Oh, she fell down. What is that? It's okay to laugh because she's okay, okay? You don't really see it exactly there, but just a little bit, you can see her face when she actually, she lands perfectly, and she, like, that was her face, and so there's that moment, and you see my daughters, they actually, which, what I love, Abby, I'm sorry, but you just sat there, your, your sister Cameron got up and was like, oh, I'm gonna help, but actually, I think what, it looks like that, but I think Cameron actually just got up, and then she went and turned the video off, um, but you know that, you know that moment of, like, sheer panic when something happens, you're alarmed, and you're terrified, um, and in those moments, we, have, we, we can act in courage, or we can, we can act out of our fear. We can let our fear determine how we're going to act. And Jehoshaphat chose to act with courage. He chose to act with courage. So there's a bunch of things that Jehoshaphat does in his life that I think we can, we can glean from. But he does things that enable him to act the right way. He gets out of his anxiety. See, there's other leaders who anxiety comes on them. I think of a, a, a fictional situation. I, I love the book and the movies, The Lord of the Rings. And there's a, there's a he's not a king. He's, he's actually just, he's the steward of Gondor, um, Lord Denethor. And in this, in this book, I'm going to say book because the books are better than the movies, even the mo- movies are great. The darkness is coming towards Gondor. This dark army is coming in. And, and Denethor just knows, he feels this invasion coming in. Everything in him becomes, he lets his anxiety take over and he literally becomes insane. And I think that's what anxiety has the ability to do in us, to make us insane. And so it gets to the point where he actually, he builds up this thing of of sticks and he sets his adult uh, son who is like passed out, Faramir, he sets him on this this pile and himself on this pile and he he tells people light, light it. So he tries to kill himself. And that's, that's one guy going to a, a, a crazy extreme in anxiety where Jehoshaphat, he responds completely differently. He resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast. See, prayer. That's what he does. Now, I, I want to be careful because I don't want you to think that the sermon's over. I got a lot to say still. Okay, I'm not ending it at, hey, you just got to pray away all of your anxieties. It's not that easy. But I think we also need to be honest about something else here. To say that there's anything more powerful than prayer 
in these dark moments of our lives, it's overlooking the spiritual and powerful dynamic that God has to play in these moments. Prayer, I think prayer needs to be, has to be an important part of our battle with anxiety. Um, I want you to think about this. Jehoshaphat, he went straight to God. Immediately, he was alarmed and he went straight to God. He didn't go to his mom and his dad to ask their advice. His dad was dead for a while. I get that. He didn't go to his advisors and to his PR guy. He didn't go on a social media like you and I would and ask everybody in the world what we, we should do. He didn't go like you and I sometimes do and go on to Netflix and try to pretend like the problem wasn't there. See, that's what, that's what we do. We try to take our anxieties and we try to we push them aside like they're not there, but when we come back, they're there. That's when, when people go in and they try to, to drown everything away with alcohol, the problem is still there. They try to drown it with Netflix or TV. It's still there. So Jehoshaphat went straight to God. Going to God, inquiring of him, is always the first step in facing our anxieties. But it is not the only step. It is a part of the process. See, I don't think prayer is ever going to get you and me to the point where all of a sudden our anxieties are gone. And, and for, for those of us, and, and this is me myself, who are, who are try to think spiritually minded, it sounds wrong to say that prayer can't do that. I'm not saying that God can't do it, but prayer might not be enough. It's like if I have financial struggles with my wife and we sit down and we talk about our financial issues, but then we don't go and, we, and make actual steps to try to correct the stupid financial decisions that we're making. All that talk is for nothing. Prayer is asking God to enter into the situation with his supernatural grace and power. But it's not our action step to put us in a better place, mentally. I think after we pray over our concerns to God, we actually have to go and we got to do something. And I think the thing that Jehoshaphat does in, in this this story of his life, I think it's one of the most important steps here that we could possibly do. Jehoshaphat chose not to let anxiety control his thoughts. He made a choice not to let anxiety control his thoughts. It does come down sometimes to it being a choice for us if we're going to let those anxieties control us. Your thought life is the most important weapon you have against anxiety. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The NIRV says, don't live any longer the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. The NLT says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. See, I think Jehoshaphat, the moment that he found out that these armies were coming after him and they were scary, I think he had images probably pop into, up into his mind. Images of women and children strewn about the countryside, dead. People that he was responsible for. He probably had images of, of, of people's homes burning, of animals slaughtered. The image of, of someone else, a foreigner, occupying his throne. These are all images that he had to deal with in that moment of alarm. But in order to not let his anxiety control his actions... He had to change his thinking. If you don't see the possibility of something good happening, how can you act with the courage that hope allows for? If we don't see something good as a possibility, how are we going to act with courage? And so what Jehoshaphat started to do is he started to look on the good things about God. And so in verse 5, he starts saying, Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord 
in the front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? See, in the midst of him struggling with this anxiety about this this oncoming army, he goes and he tells himself and he tells the people of Judah about the goodness of God, this God who has the might and power that no one can withstand. I think Jehoshaphat's doing something that I feel is one of the most important things that we can do. He is preaching the truths of the gospel, of the Bible, to himself. If we are people who follow the God of the Bible, that's something that we have to do on an everyday basis. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves. We have to preach the good promises of God to ourselves. Because if we don't preach those things in those moments of anxiety, something's going to win out. It's either going to be those, those anxious thoughts, those thoughts of, of demise, or it's going to be those thoughts that God is bigger than this. This is something I think my wife has gotten really good at in our home. Um, if you know kids, kids have an ability to, to like think, kind of make everything a little bit negative. Like, Mom, my, my, my sister's not letting me play with the Barbie doll. She's the worst person in the world. I don't know if that makes her the worst person, kid. Mom, I've got, I've got no pants to wear. Meanwhile, you go to her drawer. She's got 20 pairs of pants there. She just hates them all. Kids, kids have a tendency to make things negative, but we do too. We have a tendency to get negative about every little thing. A kid worries that, that they're going to make their friend upset at them, and they don't even realize that they're not, that friend's probably not going to be in their life not many years from now. I start thinking about, about how am I going to pay for, for a car repair that, that the next time that I have a car repair. What, meanwhile, my car right now is working totally fine. We worry about stuff. And that anxiety, like I said, it almost makes us insane. But so to combat this, my wife has done something brilliant. And I've seen plenty of people do this in their house. Um, but my wife has started to, to find every awesome thing at Hobby Lobby that has a cool verse or a cool saying that, that, that puts a positive thought into your brain. Um, one of them, the one that, go, that is right above our door as we're walking out the door every day, is Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's one behind her coffee bar. It's probably my favorite one. It just says, it's a good day to have a good day. I love that. She put love as a verb by DC Talk on, on something this week. I think it's so cool. It's a DC Talk. So I've been rapping like Toby Mac. And there's always, always, always something to be thankful for. That's in our, in our kitchen. And then there's one in the girl's bedroom, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance for the things that we cannot see. All these things, I, my daughters and me, we can read these things. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have anxiety that day. But what I found out is that when I, when I give in to the words of, of these, these scriptures or these, these quotes that just are, are life-giving, when I give in to those and don't let it just be head knowledge, my thinking becomes better. When I pray and ask God, hey, God, help me to believe in your, your good promises, my thinking becomes better. And so there is, there is something that God can do to help us with our anxiety. That's why we pray. There's something, though, that we can do to help us with our anxiety. That's why we, we preach good things to ourselves. But I think there's another thing that Jehoshaphat found. See, Jehoshaphat had to come to the point 
where he realized and believed that the battle was ultimately God's. Even though he believed these good things, I don't know if he was quite there yet. You see, if the battle is yours to fight, then go ahead and be anxious. Because you should be. But if the battle is God's to fight, then I don't think we got anything to worry about. So in in verse 11, he says, See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat does something to me that's really interesting here. He's just gotten done talking about these promises of God, that he's, he's, he's promised to give Judah th- these great things. And now he says, we have no power. We don't know what to do. It's like a cry of desperation that he has. He's saying, I need help. We, the people of Judah, we need help. He's actually willing to ask somebody for help. You see, when a person is not willing to talk out their fears, their brain becomes like a breeding ground for anxiety. When you're not willing to talk, your brain becomes a breeding ground for anxiety. I want to, I want to, I think we've been trying to do this here, but I want to again try to kill the stigma that we have of, of people going to counseling or therapy that Christians should be stronger than that. No, we shouldn't. We should all probably get counseling and therapy. It's a good thing for us to talk about the things that are going wrong inside of our brains, the anxieties, the lies that we're believing. And sometimes we need to be vulnerable enough to tell somebody, to talk to somebody, so that they can start to point out what the lies actually are that we're believing. That they can point out our misguided ways of thinking. We need help. We need people who can help us see clearly enough so that we can start to think right again. And so we all know that we've been getting a ton of snow lately. I, I still laugh sometimes being from Anaqua that you guys think that this is so much snow. But anyhow, it's, I know it's a lot of snow. And so the, a couple of weeks ago, I was home on my lunch break, and I, was, I think I went there to, to plow my snowblow, my driveway. And then I had lunch, and I was about, about to get in the car to go back to the office. And my wife looks out the window, and she sees uh, our, our little old lady neighbor not able to get out of her driveway. Because, you know, you know how the plows, the drive, the, they like to come through, and you got everything cleaned out, and then they're like, I'm going to give you 15 feet of snow right in front of your driveway. I love it. It's great. Really appreciate all that stuff. And so this little lady, she can't get out of her driveway. And I'm thinking, i gotta go to, I got to go to work. But then I was like, I can't leave this defenseless little lady all to herself. And so I... I start walking out to her driveway. And meanwhile, as I'm walking out there, I'm thinking, man, my wife is going to think I'm so awesome for this. Like, I, I t- I, any honor that God was going to give me for doing a good deed that day was totally out the window because I'm like, my wife is really going to like me. Um, I'm pathetic. I know. So I get there, and, and I'm talking to a lady, and she gets in the car, and she puts it in drive, and I start to push. And right away, I'm like, crud. This is not going to work. I forgot that I'm 5'4", really not strong. And, but but I, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying to do this. I'm, I, I can get, so I'm like, are you sure you've got it in drive? Make sure you put it in drive and let, let's try it again. And so I try and it goes, no, it's like, it doesn't even go an inch. And she's just, tires just spinning. So I'm thinking, man, I need some help. All of a sudden, out of the back of my eye, corner of my eye, I see, I don't know if there's a back of my eye, but the corner of my eye, I see this car pull up, um, 
and park on the side of the road. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, please let this not just be somebody parking to watch me be, make a fool of myself. Please let it be somebody really big and really strong. And I'm telling you, out walks the largest, strongest dude I've seen in Janesville yet today. It was so awesome. And I, I ran up and I gave him a hug. And No, I didn't really do that. But So he gets out and he's like, oh, I was just stuck too. Let me help you. And he comes up to the, to the car. And he's like, just put it in drive. I'm like, yeah, I said that. And I don't, I don't even know if I was pushing anymore. This guy, he just started pushing. And you know that feeling of warm butter on warm bread? And how smooth it just glides? He just pushed it right out of the snowbank. It was like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I had nothing to do with it. So here's the deal. I, I, had, to, I had to have help. I was trying to help a guy, and I needed help myself. Just like Jehoshaphat. He is struggling and he needs somebody. Sometimes we all need somebody. We need to be vulnerable enough to know that we need somebody. Even though he was doing all the right things, he had prayed to God, he had, he had spoken truth about who God is to himself, and he still had some anxiety. He didn't know what, what was going to happen. And then the help came. In verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in, in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. You see, this guy, Jehaziel, he spoke the words, the exact words that our friend Jehoshaphat needed to hear. He needed to take the focus off of himself and off of his problems that he couldn't fix himself, and he needed to see God again for who God is. You see, sometimes what happens is all we are seeing is who we are in our weakness, and I can't get this done. No matter how much I pray, no matter how many good things I know about God, I can't seem to get it. I can't I can't imagine anything good happening. And ultimately, because he was willing to come to that place where he gave up his anxiety, people got to see who God really was. With thanksgiving, the Bible says that with thanksgiving, Jehoshaphat sent out the army ahead. And the armies of Ammon and Moab, they started to turn on each other. And they actually started to kill each other. And so what the army of Judah couldn't do themselves, God did on their behalf. And then the end of the story, it's the best part says, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. They started to see who God really was. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. I think that God wants to be able to use the moments in our lives that are stressful. I think God wants to show his glory to people in those moments that would otherwise cause us to live in, in, in anxiety. When God gives you success in an otherwise anxious moment of life, people can be introduced to the true character of who God is. When you find courage through a bout with cancer, people ask where that courage comes from. When you remain patient through your child's overwhelming struggles, people sense a supernatural grace that comes from somewhere that has to be deeper than you. 
when you continue to trust God that he's gonna provide for you when your costs seem like they're greater than what your income could ever possibly be, people are pointed to, they're pointed in the direction of the one who has more power and more resources than anyone else. See, I think peace actually can become our possibility. You might say, Kellen, God's not taking out my enemies. How am I supposed to have peace? God is not changing my circumstances. How am I supposed to actually have peace in the situations I'm living in? Maybe we need to shift where our mindset is at. Maybe we need to change the question. Is our enemy really an enemy at all? Are we, are we facing a life and death situation? Is facing a life and death situation the worst thing that we could have since we have eternity promised to us? Maybe more importantly, is your momentary defeat something that God wants to use for something better? Is the thing that's causing you anxiety something that God wants to use to show other people more of his glory than would have happened without your, without your difficult situation? The Bible says that even in our darkest moments, we can cast our cares on Christ. We can trust Jesus that even when the enemy seems bigger and when our, when our defeat seems sure, that we can still trust Maybe the most important thing that we can f- figure out from this story of Jehoshaphat this morning is this. Anxiety is not the problem. It's what we do when anxiety hits that often becomes our problem. You can let anxiety control you or you can stop and place your anxiety in the hands of Jesus. You can stop and put it in a box and put it at the doorstep of Jesus and let him deal with it. Sometimes anxiety is going to hit. Sometimes something's going to come on and you are not going to go to God in prayer. You're not going to speak truth about God into your life. You're not going to be vulnerable and go to people and ask for help. And you're going to be crushed. But sometimes anxiety is going to hit and you're going to do all these things and, and, and you're going to realize that it can be defeated. But the key is getting to the point where, we, where we're starting to make it ingrained in us that we start to go to God the way that Jehoshaphat did. This might sound like I'm saying just trust God more, but it's, it's actually very different from that. I'm saying let God show you more of who he is so that you can learn to trust more. It's not about you trying to build up this, I gotta trust God more, I gotta trust. No, it's about saying, God, I need you to show me more so that I can be more trusting of you. It's two totally different things. It may not happen tomorrow that you wake up with less less anxiety. It may not happen a week from now, a year from now, five years from now. But I believe as we begin to be able to trust Jesus more and believe more in who he says that he is, that we'll begin to find more rest in our heart, that we'll begin to find more peace. We may never be perfect, but God can bring us the victory that we need. God can be trusted. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come come on up here right now. Just going to leave you with a question here. Are you going to let anxiety control your thoughts and your actions? Or are you going to let God's truths and his promises speak to how those anxieties are not your final story? Why don't you pray with me?